So Acts chapter 3, starting from verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went to them with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, 
all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Um, please make sure you can see Acts chapter 3 uh, as we look at that together this morning. Um, and I'm going to pray as we begin. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that by your word and your spirit you speak to us. Thank you that that is true whether we are sat in the King Center or on our sofa this morning. Uh, please help us to listen to you. Please help us to praise the name of the Lord Jesus because of what we hear. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, I've got another question for you to think about as we begin uh, looking at this passage this morning. Uh, and that is, how easy do you find it to talk about Jesus? How easy do you find it to talk about Jesus? Uh, put the question in a different way. Uh, when was the last time you spoke to someone about Jesus? Uh, not about church, not about the King Center or the well, not about faith or Christianity. When was the last time you spoke to someone about Jesus? Uh, it's a challenging question, isn't it? It's a challenging question for me, at least. I find it very easy to talk about pretty much anything else except for Jesus. Uh, talking about Jesus can be really hard. And it's doubly hard because, well, it's often the case that the people I'm talking to don't always want to speak about Jesus either. Again, they, they might be quite happy chatting uh, about um, community or, or spirituality, uh, but they avoid the word Jesus at all costs. Uh, it's a challenge to think about, isn't it? And it's that challenge that brings us to Acts chapter 3. Because in our passage today, uh, there's a crowd, a big crowd like the one here this morning. And they witness an amazing healing. Uh, they get to see something wonderful, something astonishing, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. They see something amazing. But as we're going to see, the Apostle Peter doesn't really want to talk about the miracle. He doesn't really want to talk about the healing all he wants to talk about is Jesus. And it's my hope that as we go through this chapter, we're going to see exactly why that is. So, well, first we see the sign. Imagine the scene. We've been helped by Paddy already with this this morning. Imagine the scene. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John, along with hundreds of others, are heading up to the temple to pray. And as they arrive at the, the temple gate, a gate that happens to be called Beautiful, uh, they come across a scene that is not beautiful at all. Uh, there's a, a man, a, a cripple. It's clear he can't walk because he's desperately trying to get the attention of the people up there as they walk past. He tries to get their attention. He, he begs them for, for food, for money, anything that they'll give him to help him through the next 24 hours. Most people just ignore him. They look away with a bit of embarrassment or, or disgust. They quicken their pace as they go past this pitiful man. But then in the middle of this hustle and bustle, in the middle of the busy crowd, 
two men, Peter and John, stop. And as they do, the, the crippled man asks the same question he's asked thousands of times that day. Please, he says, please, could you spare me some money? I can't walk. I've been like this since birth. And every day my friends bring me here. Every day I, I'm forced to beg like this. So, so please, will you help me? Will you give me something? Anything? And these two men, they, they stop and they look straight at the man on the ground. And then Peter says what must have been those horribly familiar words. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have any money on me. I can't give you silver or gold today. The crippled man's heart sinks. Same old story. But Peter isn't finished. I don't have silver or gold, he says, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then to the utter amazement of the man and all those standing around, Peter and John lift him to his feet and he takes a step. And then another step. And another. And within a matter of seconds, this man has gone from helpless and crippled to running around, jumping in the temple entrance. He is filled with overwhelming joy as he leaps about praising God. And so the people there, they witness this, this instant transformation, this amazing miracle. Verse 10 says that the crowds were filled with wonder and amazement as they saw what was going on. The crowds are amazed. They've never seen anything like this before. And their attention turns from the healed man to the healer. That word spreads quickly, and so in verse 11, the crowds gather to, to capture a glimpse of this miracle worker, the man that can heal in an instant. You can imagine what it would have been like today, can't you? Peter would have become an instant celebrity. There would have been books written and films made about this day. He would have appeared on every late night chat show, Celebrity Bake Off, MasterChef, Strictly Come Dancing, he'd be on it. Lame to leaping would be the headline, the power of Peter. You can imagine it, can't you? You can imagine it, but, but it's not what happens here. You see, Peter doesn't take this moment to, to boost his celebrity status. He doesn't see this as the beginning of his international healing ministry. No, the crowds come running and he stands up and says, Stop looking at me. This is not about me. No, no, you've got it all wrong. This is all about Jesus. That's who Peter wants to talk about. Not himself, not the lame man, not even the miracle. No, Peter wants to talk about Jesus. And so as the crowds come running, that's exactly what he does. He preaches to them. He, he preaches and his big message to them is that God has glorified his servant Jesus. And so next we get to see, or we get to hear the sermon. Look at verse 12 with me. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our power or godliness we had made this man walk? 
the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. This miracle is nothing to do with me, says Peter. It is all to do with Jesus. Verse 13, he's the one you disowned. He's the one you handed over. He's the one you had killed. This is all to do with him. It's all about him. The one you rejected is the one God has raised. The one you abandoned is the one God has glorified. And it's through faith in him that this man has been healed. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. It's because of the risen, ruling, glorified Jesus that this miracle happened today, says Peter. This is who it's all about. In fact, he says, this is actually who it's always been about. Look at verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. You might not have known what you were doing when you killed God's Messiah, says Peter, but, but God did. God knew this was God's plan all along. The plan he had spoken of through his prophets. The plan that you Israelites should all have understood. Can't you see? This man, Jesus, he's the one that fulfills all that God promised throughout history. Verse 18, he is the, the suffering servant. Because if you think back, the, the Israelites had just witnessed Jesus' crucifixion. And as they looked at Jesus, a, a condemned criminal on a Roman cross, they thought, this, this can't be the Christ. How could, how could God's chosen one possibly suffer like that? No, 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 it, it can't be him. But they should have known better. They should have remembered Isaiah 53. Hundreds of years before that day when, when Isaiah said this, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid on him and by his wounds we were healed. Hundreds of years before Jesus' death, the prophet Isaiah had said that, that the Christ, the Messiah, would suffer for the sins of his people. He, he would pay the price in his death for the forgiveness of sins. And so Peter says to this Israelite audience, this crowd of Jews, this, this is Jesus. He's the suffering servant. But more than that, he, he's the prophet like Moses, verse 22. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Moses was the, the great prophet of the Old Testament. The one who was given God's law to speak to God's people. And right at the end of his life, Moses tells the people that they, they are to look for, to wait for another prophet. A prophet like him, but even greater. 
And he says to them, when this prophet comes, you must pay attention. You must listen. Because he will be from God. And so again, Peter says, this is it. This is Jesus. He is the one sent from God. The one who speaks God's word to God's people. He is the one we should listen to. He's the suffering servant. He's the the prophet like Moses. And then in verse 25, Peter says he's the offspring of Abraham. Just look at verse 25 with me. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Back in Genesis, right back at the beginning of the Bible, God made some promises to Abraham. Some amazing promises of of a people, a great nation that he would make him. A a promised land, a a place to live in. And God promised to bless him. Bless his descendants. They would be his people and and he would be their God. Amazing promises, but, but even more amazing was that not only would God bless Abraham and his descendants, but through him he would bless all people. Through Abraham's offspring, God's blessing would flow to all peoples, all nations of the earth. And so again, Peter says, this is Jesus. Jesus is the offspring of Abraham. He is the one through whom all peoples of the earth will be blessed. Verse 26 says that that will begin with the Jews, with with Abraham's descendants. But as we've already seen in the book of Acts, that blessing is going to spread beyond the Jewish people to Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And so Peter says to the crowd, yeah, yes, you've witnessed an amazing miracle. You've seen a lame man healed in an instant. But don't miss the point. Don't think this is about him or about me. No, this is all about Jesus. This is all about God's promised, glorified Messiah. You've seen the sign, you've heard the sermon. Now, finally, you need to think about your situation. Because in many ways, Peter's sermon should be kind of uh, triggering some kind of familiar things. It's just the same as his sermon, or very similar to his sermon in chapter 2, isn't it? If you can remember, back in chapter 2, the people witnessed something amazing. The coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. And Peter stood up and said to the crowds, you've seen something amazing today, but but don't miss the point. This is all about King Jesus. Everything you've seen today is meant to show you that he is God's chosen King. And if, if you can remember, the people who heard that sermon, they were cut to the heart they cried out what should we do brothers when they realized that they were responsible for the death of God's king and the people here in chapter three they they face a similar problem don't they Peter's just shown them that Jesus is the one who has come in fulfillment of all those old testament promises he is the promised one he is the messiah And they've just killed him. He doesn't hold back in verse 13, does he? Just look back there. 
He says, you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer would be released to you. You killed the author of life. Jesus is God's promised Messiah and you killed him. And so you can imagine how the crowds must have felt as they listened, as they realized the horrible situation they were in. But then just like in chapter 2, Peter says those wonderful words in verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out. Just as he did at the end of the Pentecost sermon, Peter says there is still hope for you. You might have disowned the holy and righteous one. You might have killed the author of life. But even that doesn't put you beyond God's grace. Even that won't prevent God from forgiving you. If you would just turn to him, if you would just repent, if you would turn to him and trust that this is why Jesus came. This is why the Messiah had to suffer and die. To pay the price of your rebellion. To take the punishment that you deserve. So that verse 19, your sins might be wiped out. Not minimised. Not swept under the carpet. Not remembered by God so he can bring them out when he wants to make us feel guilty. No. No, no. Through repentance and faith in Jesus your sins can be completely taken away. Repent, says Peter. Turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out and so that times of refreshing might come from the Lord. You see, it's at the cross that we experience not only forgiveness, but refreshment or relief from God. That relief as the burden of our sin is lifted from us. Refreshment as we we no longer carry around the, the weight of our guilt and our shame. But instead are filled with the Spirit. The Spirit who enables us to, to know and experience the joy of our salvation. Peter says you can know this forgiveness, you can know this refreshment today. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are. It was available to them and it's still available to us. So let me just ask you this morning, do you know the forgiveness and the refreshment that comes from turning to Jesus? Maybe you're new to all of this. Maybe you're watching at, at home and, and this is brand new. Maybe you've never heard before that there's a way for your guilt, your shame, your sin to be dealt with. If that is you, then please hear what God is saying to you this morning. If you turn to him, if you trust in Jesus, your sins will be wiped out for good. You will no longer face God's anger or his judgment but instead experience his love and his grace as you are welcomed into his family 
as a forgiven child of God forever. That is the promise God makes today. That is the gospel. That is the good news of the Bible. But I imagine there are also lots of us listening this morning that that do know this forgiveness, that have experienced this refreshment from the Lord. At At least we know it in theory. We've heard it lots of times before. We, we understand it. But if we're honest, we struggle to fully embrace it for ourselves. The, the Christian author and pastor Paul Tripp talks about it like this. He says, even though we believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, we don't always fully embrace his forgiveness today. Many of us carry around our sins in a a metaphorical backpack of regret, bruising our spiritual shoulders and breaking the back of our faith. But Jesus took the weight of our sin on himself so that we wouldn't have to carry it around any longer. He says he will remember our sins no more. He will separate us from those sins as far as the east is from the west. What freedom, what refreshment is found in Jesus. It makes no sense, he says, for a believer to live imprisoned by fear, paralysed by regret, in the darkness of guilt and shame, when complete forgiveness is offered to us. And so whether this is the first or the hundredth time that you've heard this, please let me urge you to embrace the complete forgiveness that Jesus offers. Repent, says Peter. Turn to God and you can know this forgiveness, this refreshment today. And finally, as we close, you can know his restoration in the future. Just look at verse 21. Heaven must receive him, that's Jesus, until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. In both his sermons, Peter has told us that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, is glorified and is now ruling in heaven, ruling at his Father's right hand. He's risen, he's ruling, and one day he will return. And when he does return, verse 21 says that he will restore all things. You see, God's salvation plan that that we're seeing here in Acts, it, it extends far beyond any individual. It's much bigger than the lame man, it's much bigger than me, and it's much bigger than you. Because sin has not only ruined the lives of individuals, it's ruined everything. It's ruined all of creation. Sickness, sadness, suffering, they're all part of a broken and fallen world, a world that we are all too aware of at the moment. But wonderfully, it won't always be like that. Sin has ruined all things, but God's plan is to transform, to restore all things. As it says right at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, King Jesus will return. And when he does, he will make all things new. And so the kingdom that we begin to see spreading in Acts will come fully and finally on the day 
Jesus returns. And on that day, there will be no COVID. There won't be any sin or sadness. There'll be no sickness or suffering. Even death will no longer be a reality. That is what you can look forward to, says Peter. That is what you can long for, hope for, as you trust in Jesus. It's what we get a glimpse of in the lame man, isn't it? Outside the gate called Beautiful, King Jesus paints a picture of what is to come. He takes a hopeless, helpless, crippled man and he restores him. He undoes the effects of sin's curse and the man goes from lame to leaping, from rejected to rejoicing. One writer says that it's a little bit like when you decorate your house. You know, when you, when you go to decorate a room or, or whatever, uh, first thing you do is you, you get a tester pot. Uh, the idea is you get a, a, a tester pot that gives you a, you paint a small area in the room to get a feel for what it's going to look like when you're finished, a feel for what it will look like before you slap it on wall to wall. What happens here in Jerusalem is like a tester pot preview of the kingdom colours. No sickness. No more lame man, no more pain, no more tears. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is still decked in the the horrible wallpaper of sin and suffering. But as we look at this man, we get a feel for what it will be like on the day Jesus returns. When we will experience the kingdom colours from wall to wall. Repentance now means we can look forward to restoration then. No wonder Peter wanted to talk about Jesus so much. No wonder he wanted to take every opportunity and will continue to take every opportunity to talk about Jesus. To talk about the one that God has glorified, the one who offers us complete forgiveness, refreshment, restoration if we turn to him. I know that that talking about Jesus can be difficult. I know that it's awkward. We can lose friends and gain enemies. We're going to see a lot more of that next week. But let's pray this morning that we would be like Peter. That we would be so captured, so amazed by the glory and grace of Jesus that he is all we want to talk about. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he is better than anything else, better than gold, than silver, than anything this world has to offer. We praise you because he is glorified, he is risen, and he will return. And we praise you because he offers us complete forgiveness, refreshment and restoration as we trust in him. Father, would we be so so captured by the Lord Jesus that we would want to talk about him with everyone and anyone we meet. Please help us to praise his name this week. Amen.